Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. 15 minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will empty all. Welcome to the podcast. We are looking at Acts chapter 7 in this episode. Edwin, what is our text today? I'm looking at verse 35. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for forty years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt. That was the English Standard Version. So as we return to Acts chapter 7, and I appreciate that reading so much, we are in the midst of Stephen giving his sermon, giving a defense to the Sanhedrin council, the leaders uh, over the Jewish people there at the temple. Stephen is answering specific charges that have been brought before him, or brought against him, I should say, rather. They are called false witnesses uh, in Acts chapter 6, but one of them is that he has been teaching against the customs of Moses. He spends a lot of his time teaching about Moses and trying to paint an entire history of, of God's people Israel to these Jewish leaders. And Moses had said one thing in particular that Stephen wants to remind them of, and it's this prophecy, I believe, Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18, yes it is. There's going to be a prophet. A prophet is going to be raised up like me from among your brethren. Listen to him. I feel like we've talked about that passage before. Well, we did. It was a teaching point of the Apostle Peter in uh, the last sermon, I guess, we read in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, as they healed the lame man there. They're going and um, making it known that it was by the power of Jesus and the name of Jesus that the man was healed. But as Peter preached on that, he made it clear. I'm looking back here at Acts chapter 3, verse 22, Acts 3, verse 22. Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. In that place, Peter is demonstrating this line of messages that where Moses said that there's going to be a great prophet raised up, a final mouthpiece, an authority, all the people need to hear. But in the line of prophets, they were pointing towards this final spokesperson of God. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he provides these parallels. What's some powerful parallels? Number one, verse 35, Moses, whom they rejected. How had Jesus been treated? Mm, he had been rejected. He for had sure. been rejected. Yeah. So in verse 36, this man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. What had Jesus done? Mm -hmm. Wonders and signs. In fact, if you read through the Gospel of John, I think you see where some of those wonders and signs are even set up to parallel 
some of the wonders and signs Moses offered. Well, I think that's absolutely right. There, There is something very significant about saying, God will raise up a prophet like me from among your brethren. Moses was special even among the prophets in the way that God chose to reveal himself to Moses. And it wasn't just through dreams and it wasn't just through visions, but he would be like one speaking face to face. That is significant to say that there was a closer um, relationship in the process of revelation, a little bit more uh, with Moses than other prophets or other spokespeople. And again, that's going to set up or typify Jesus Christ. And here is God with us, Emmanuel. Um, So there's a lot in this expression, a prophet like me, important parallels to observe. I often wonder, I'm just going to change tax for a minute and then get back to Acts 7 here in a second. I I often wonder in John chapter 2, as John has all of these miracles and wonders and signs that he can pull from, the one that he brings up as of first importance, the first sign in Cana of Galilee is turning the water Water to wine. wine. Mm Mm-hmm. Why that one? I mean, that seems so mundane. That seems so minor, so small. They're just—I—I I would expect, you know, so that that when he wants to present this first miracle, that he'd want it to be something grandiose and amazing and public. But instead, it's just this really kind of small thing at a little feast. His mom has asked him to do it. Turn some water to wine in a little town. In a little town. <laughs> Here's why. Because he is a prophet like Moses. The first plague was turning water to to blood. Water to blood. It's it's the same, in essence, miracle. The changing of water to something. Now, what what John is pointing out though is that Moses turned water to blood. He took water and made it undrinkable. What Jesus did was he took the water and he turned it to wine. He made it something in that context better something better. Whereas Moses, Moses's miracle would lead to death. Jesus's was continuing in life and it, and it allowed for their celebration at that wedding feast, which ties back to John chapter one, where John was pointing out that a greater than Moses is here. He is a prophet like Moses, but he is greater than Moses. And so Stephen in this sermon is highlighting that guy, that guy that Moses told us about, he is here. And he, he, I was going to say, and even in that in. setting, even in that setting of a marriage, you have all of this uh, imagery of wedding imagery and feast imagery that goes along with Messiah when Messiah comes in the Old Testament. And so, you know, the, the wonderful contrast is here is Jesus doing this first miracle in a wedding, uh, again, versus Moses in oppression and slavery, trying to bring them out of that. And so, it, you know, it, it harkens to the, the fulfillment of this messianic expectation. Here's the very sad thing that happens here. And, and I want to bring this out because it's, it's the thing that, again, pushes me back to self-evaluation. That's Stephen's sermon here has, has, keeps pushing me back to that self-evaluation. You brought up a couple of days ago about these folks who over and over again in the moment can't seem to see God's messenger. Years yeah. later, looking back, we can tell, and, and we look back on those folks, well, how could you not tell? So it brings us to that self-evaluation. Here's the self-evaluation point for me in this. Stephen highlights that our enemy is cunning, subtle, tricky, crafty. Because what happens as he hearkens back to the golden calf incident in Sinai, which we didn't get to that part of the reading, but that's where he goes next. That golden calf incident at Mount Sinai. 
if we just if we just read these words, we might think that what's happening is the Israelites decided they just didn't like Moses, they didn't trust Moses, they weren't going to follow Moses. But that's not exactly what happened. What happened is Moses had gone up onto the mountain, this very scary mountain, to be communicated with by God who had scared the people to death such that they said, Moses, we don't want to hear his voice anymore. You go up there and talk to him. So they're they're scared of this God that is meeting them on Mount Sinai. There's fire, there's thunder, there's lightning. And Moses says, I'll go talk to him. And he's gone. He's gone for 40 days, more than a month. He's gone. And the people are now starting to get worried. As far as they know, maybe God even killed him up there. Maybe he's never coming back. And that's when they turn to Aaron and say, make for us gods. We might be tempted to think that what's happening here is they don't trust Moses, but that's not the problem. The problem is they had too much trust in Moses. And now that Moses was gone, they didn't know what to do. They weren't going to listen to what God had said. One of the things God had said was, don't make idols. And so what we find here is this very subtle, tricky, crafty twisting of the devil to take their trust and they and he actually uses their trust in Moses and twists it so that they end up rejecting Moses. We find the same thing happening with the Jews in Stephen's day. It's not that they don't trust Moses. It's that they trust Moses too much. If they had really trusted Moses, when Moses said, a prophet is coming, when the prophet showed up, they'd believe the prophet. <laughs> It's, it's not rejecting Moses to, no. to believe what he says. It's following Moses. But somehow what, what Satan, the devil, is doing here is he is twisting and perverting this trust so that even while they think, while they think they are putting their faith in God because they're putting faith in one of his messengers, it's that very faith in Moses that is causing them to abandon God and the ultimate prophet and messenger that God was sending. To me, I need some self-evaluation on that. I understand that my enemy can twist. What I have to do is be in the word. And I have to be honest. I have to be honest with my motivations. I have to be honest with what's the word saying. I have, I have to make sure that I'm being honest. And that's one of the things I like about talking about this with you, because when we talk about it with other people, Andrew, that's what helps us with some honesty. Because when I start getting crazy, as happens sometimes in our office, you're able to say, well, Edwin, let's back off. Let's, you know, let's look at this again. And, and look, you can be honest. You've had to do that a couple of times. <laughs> well, listen, I'm, I'm just looking here at verse 38 and uh, the attention you're bringing back to the word of God is something that certainly verse 38 calls us to. Moses is lifted up as the one who received the living oracles to give to us whom the fathers rejected. They were rejecting his word. They were rejecting words about idolatry so evident in the crafting of this golden calf. And now you've got this Sanhedrin council and they're rejecting the words of Moses. There's a prophet coming after me greater than I. You need to obey him. Stephen's making it clear that's Jesus Christ. You rejected him. And, of course, they're going to reject Stephen as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's. We need to have this self-evaluation on this. Yeah, yeah. So glad that you could join us today. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. We'd love to see you on Sunday. You can find more information about that in our show notes. We, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to meet you. And we're just glad that you're joining in to talk about the text with us. We're going to wrap up with a prayer. God, thank you for the time you've given us here to talk about your word. Thank you for the self-evaluation that it prompts and help us to have a fearless, thorough, honest evaluation of ourselves that 
we will accept your prophet, that we will listen to him, that we will not put our faith in men, we will not put our faith in places, we will not put our faith in traditions, we will not put our faith in ourselves, but that we will put our faith in you. And so that whatever it is that you actually have said, we will learn it, we will know it, we will live it, we will love it. Help us with that. And Father, we pray that that won't just happen way off in the future, but it'll happen today. We do love you so very much, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. I thought you were going to take off right there, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> you were, you've been giving the background before all of these before. Thanks for that reading, Edwin. It sure brings us up to speed. <laughs> outtakes. Well, you've been looking for outtakes, outtakes for, <laughs> for days. We've been doing so good. So good. So good. Okay. And three. And two. And one.